Whew. Yeah. Catch your breath for a minute. I love a parade. That's why I love Palm Sunday and just the, uh, the celebration of a parade. And, you know, I like chaos. Some of you, some of you know that. Yeah, I, I just, I like it. Well, on this journey, this journey of, of freedom that, that we're on, of, uh, as we participate with those that have gone before us, thousands of years before us, uh, on this exodus in, into freedom, my, my, the question that came to my mind as uh, we were uh, focusing on this Sunday was, you know, do we really want freedom? Do we really want Christian freedom? Yeah, and as I started to prepare this uh, months um, ago, just the first thought was, you know, really we don't. We really don't want freedom. And, and I, as I started to prepare, I started to, to look for stories that I've heard of and illustrations that show how people, when they're freed um, from slavery or freed from bondage, that they go back to it. But I kept running into stories of people who were heroic in their bondage and they refused to give up their pursuit of freedom. And so it just kept hitting me as I was looking at it that I, I, I changed my mind. I, I said, you know, I think deep inside what we really do want is freedom. Now remember, that freedom, that's Christian freedom, is the freedom to do what God would have us do. That is real freedom. It's not freedom to do what we want to do. It's not the, the, the sense of, of just a, a freedom to, to be whoever we want to be. It, it is a sense and a commitment and the capacity and capability to do and be who God wants us to be and to do what God wants wants us to do. In my, um, just doing, uh, you know, looking for stories and different illustrations, I came upon um, this, was reminded, this video clip um, from the book 12, or from the movie 12 Years a Slave, which was one best movie, uh, this best film this year. It's a little dark and you have to, to listen closely, but it's, it's about Solomon Northup who was an accomplished musician, um, who was a freed black man in upstate New York. And he was abducted and then brought into slavery. And this little conversation is, you, you start to catch within him and with that sense within us that he re, he's going to refuse to be enslaved even though he's got shackles on his arms and legs. Cause I know we get we were traveling. We wish we'd die trying. Survival's not about certain death. It's about keeping your head down. Days ago I was with my family. In my home. Now you tell me all is lost. Tell no one who I am. That's the way to survive. Well, I don't want to survive. I want to live. 
just his, his statement there, I don't want to survive. I want to live. And the folks around him were saying, just keep your head low. Don't say anything. Act like you don't know anything. Just survive. And he's like, no, I'm not going to survive. And the whole film is really about that battle within him, the refusal to just survive and to live into the God-given propensity to live to the fullest. And I believe that is within every one of us. I believe that's within every one of us, that we want to live. We don't just want to survive. Now, we may have been beaten down by the world around us like a a slow drip over many, many years to just say, let's make it through. But I believe there is within us who are made in the image of God that longing and desire to live into the freedom that God has for us. I mean, I believe we want to walk free with God. We want to follow Jesus together. I mean, really, you wouldn't be here if that weren't the case. You know, I mean, there I know there are a whole bunch of other better options than sitting there listening to me. But for, yeah, amen, the wrong spot there. Yeah, but, but you're not here listening to me. You're here because you want to listen to God. You're here because, we're here because we want to walk with Jesus. We know we don't want to just survive. We want to live. And I believe God wants that too. But as we we come into Palm Sunday, as we come into Holy Week, as, as, as Brian has outlined, what we see here, what is put in the spotlight, is how faithful God is and how weak and feeble we are. How, how easy it is for us to be overwhelmed by the ways of the world, to just jump in with the crowd, to take the easy route, let's just survive instead of living. I mean, group mentality, we'll see that as we look at Holy Week and as we look also at the journey of the Israelites in Exodus. That the group mentality just sort of takes over and we just jump in. And there are great forces around us that oppose us. Great forces within us that oppose us, that tell us, take the safe route, just survive. Just stay in slavery It's easier that way. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament tells us, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So if there's anything from Palm Sunday, anything from Holy Week, as we walk through these next seven, eight days together, know that this, it is that God is faithful. And we are so-so. But God is faithful even when we aren't. And that's the good news. You see it in Palm Sunday because as Jesus was coming in on the donkey, the whole crowd was there. They were waving the palms. They were throwing down their cloaks before Jesus. They were shouting, Hosanna to the highest. 
You know, they were, they were all caught up in the wonder and power of the parade. But as we said, as Brian said, five days later, the crowd had turned and was yelling, Crucify Him! Can, can you relate to that? You, know, you, you want it. You, you, you know you want that freedom. You know you desire and you long for God. And if you don't have that experience and feeling now, you, you know there are times when you were at the parade on Palm Sunday and Jesus was before you and you were prostrate before Him saying, I'm with you all the way. And then you know how Good Friday comes around. And the the ways of the world, the weakness of our flesh take over and we go the easy route. This is a a real simple experience um, uh, that uh, I had just uh, um, several weeks ago. Took some uh, children, um, uh, not my own, but some other children to see a movie. And the... uh, uh, the person behind the counter looked out around them and, and said, Oh, yeah, okay, you got children and then one adult. And I just said, Yes. And then I looked at the sign, Well, childs are allowed, you know, there's a couple 12 year olds here, and I, but I'd pay. We were already on the way there, and we were headed down the way. But yeah, you know what movie we, were, we walked into? Son of God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I, it just like, you know, how, how can you be in here? That was, that, plain and simple. I know it's like two bucks, three bucks. But it's, Jesus said, if you're faithful in little things, you're faithful in big things. You know, so as to say, there's no such thing as a little thing. And big thing when it comes simply to honesty. So I went back to the counter and looked and... I sort of got off the hook because that day they had children and student prices, and students were the age above children, and they were all the same price. So then I put the money back in my pocket and said, okay, yeah, I'm done. (laughs) But that's a silly, simple, you know, $2, $3 example. But it just shows how in the sway of the moment, in our own weakness, in our own fallibility, in our own feebleness, how often we get... Go the easy way and don't live into the freedom of following the way of Jesus. Now, the, the, the same thing is in our passage today, which is in Exodus uh, uh, chapter 24. And I think uh, the people of Israel at Mount Sinai is a real parallel to Palm Sunday and Good Friday. The people at the, with, with Jesus in the last uh, week of, of his life. And um, so we're going to look at what Israel does with Moses when God appears to them to give them the law. And we'll see how they'll respond in a very similar way. Now, remember um, with me or here for the first time. Um, the, the basic story of Exodus up to this point. You know, the Israelites were, they were enslaved. They'd been in, enslaved and oppressed in Egypt for 430 years. God calls Moses up to come and lead them out of slavery, out of oppression, into the freedom of walking with God and the fullness of life so that they would be a witness to the world. And um, Moses comes in and uh, initially Moses doesn't want to do it. But then 
God says, yes, you need to do it. And Moses comes on board with Aaron. And then when Moses comes to the, the people, and they're not sure they want to do it. Then Moses goes to Pharaoh, and Pharaoh's absolutely sure he's not about to let them go. And, and God then sends ten plagues on the Egyptians so that eventually they free the Israelites. And, and the Israelites are free. They're, they're leaving Egypt. And then Pharaoh changes his mind. And he gathers the army. And so they come chasing after the Israelites. So the Israelites are right there before the Red Sea. The, the army's be, behind them. The seas are before them. And then all the people start moaning and groaning and crying out, complaining to Moses along the way. And then God splits the Red Sea. They, they walk through the Red Sea on dry ground. They get on the other side just in time to turn around to see the waves crashing upon their enemies, the Egyptians, and they are destroyed. And they are freed from slavery, freed from oppression. Salvation is now theirs to to walk with God. And they start walking away. Now with the sea, their great protector between them and Egypt. And, And quickly they start complaining about being hungry and thirsty and not having all that they need. And God provides along the way. And now we're at Mount Sinai where Moses is going to meet with God. And he has has already delivered the Ten Commandments. That's Exodus chapter 20. And that has come to Moses and he's he's written what God has told him down. And he is, in our passage, going to bring that to the Israelites to get their response to what God has told them. So Exodus chapter 24 um, found on page 61 in your pew Bible. Let's, let's pray. Father, thank you for your written word. Thank you as it speaks to us, as it tells us the, the events of those that have gone before us. It tells us of the events of, of your hand in our, our lives. It tells us of your faithfulness, your goodness, and warns us of our own brokenness and sin. We come before you, needing you, ready to hear from you. Speak to us. Continue to draw us closer to you. Continue to empower us to live into the freedom you have for us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. All right, Exodus chapter 24, starting with verse 1. Then he, God, said to Moses, Come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab and Abihu, and 70 of the elders of Israel, and worship at a distance. Moses alone shall come near the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. Moses came and and told the people all the words of the Lord, and all the ordinances, and all the people answered with one voice and said, All the words that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and set up twelve pillars corresponding to the twelve tribes of Israel. He sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed oxen as offerings of well-being to the Lord. Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins and half of the blood he dashed against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. 
We will be obedient. Moses took the blood and dashed it on the people and said, See the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So you see here, I mean, Moses comes down, he's, he's been meeting with God, and he comes and announces to the people, reads what he'd written in the book of the covenant, said, this is what God has told us to do, what do you say? And in the, the fury of the moment, you know, the, the fervor of the moment, um, and in, in the honest crying out to God, they, they say, yes, we will do it, we'll be obedient, we'll, we'll pay attention, we will do all that is here that is written. Yeah, I gotta think that at that moment, I mean, you know, Moses gotta be glowing at that time. You know, they all that they've gone through, I mean, seeing water split apart, walking across, seeing water come across and destroy your enemies, being free. I gotta think even the most ardent atheist at that point would say, Yes, I'll do it, Lord. Because of all that they've seen and experienced. And that it just reminds me of the energy of Palm Sunday and the parade and all that it is within us that, that longs to experience the freedom that, that God has for us, that freedom to do what God would have us do. But we, just like the Israelites, can be immature. I mean, we can rely on an initial decision and think that's all that it, that it takes. It's just an initial yes. That, that's, and that's what it means to, to be a follower of Jesus. See, the, the, the problem with, with the Israelites is, man, they, 430 years, they've been trained in, in the ways of Egypt. It's been all around them. And now they're, they're on their own and those are the ways that keep coming back to them. But the good news here is that God secures this covenant with His people in this, this blood covenant ceremony based on God's commands uh, to them. He told them how to set up an altar. He told them how to have the, the offerings that are, that are mentioned here. The offering of well-being and the burnt offerings. It told them back in Exodus 20. So they'd, they'd had those instructions. In those same instructions, we'll come to this in a minute, he also tells them to have no silver or gold idol. And if you're familiar with the story, you know that's foreshadowing, foreboding of some bad stuff. Um, to come. But they gathered at that time to, to show this, this blood covenant that joined together God and God's people in these promises to one another of God being their God and them being God's people. And what we see in a little bit, is that they break that covenant. They do the very thing that God told them not to do in Exodus 32. When, after Moses has reascended to the top, and it's way back down, after 40 days, the people 
have done the very thing God told them not to do, gathered their gold together and formed a golden calf to be their God. Just like on Good Friday. It wasn't 40 days, but it was five days that the people had turned from shouting Hosanna to crucify him. But this blood of the covenant, this this blood here, this covenant blood ceremony, is also a a foreshadowing of Good Friday. For, For just as Moses says, this is the blood of the covenant here, signifying our connection to one another, our promise to one another. Our undying promise to one another. That Jesus on Good Friday sheds not the blood of ox and, or other sacrifices, but sheds the blood of himself. That he now says is the blood of the new covenant that is shed for us for the forgiveness of sins. Even in the weakness and failure of the people around him. Jesus is faithful still. He freely gives himself in death for me and for you. Jesus is the one who demonstrates Complete freedom. Remember what freedom is? Freedom is the capacity, the freedom to do exactly what God wants us to do. And Jesus demonstrates that. From the Old Testament and in 1,500 years later with Jesus on the, 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 the walk, His last week of life, the people have shown our weakness and, and our brokenness and, and our excitement, but then getting caught into the group mentality or in our own selfishness falling short. But Jesus shows us perfect and true freedom. We know this this brokenness in our own lives and in the work of the church. We hear the statistics. Yeah, there's really not that much difference in the marriage and divorce rate in the church or outside of the church. You know, granted, the the giving rate, you know, that we, we know that being people of God, that we are called to be generous, even to tithe, to give 10% of our income to the work of what God is doing. And we know that the, the church is about double of what folks outside the church give in general. The problem is it's about 1% to 2%. You know, so, so we see that. We, we see the statistics. And that's, that's just the stuff you can measure and count. You know? We, we, we know the, the stats when it comes to premarital sex. That there's not much difference. You know, we, we know God calls us to, to enjoy sex in the confines of a covenant relationship between a man and a woman. We know for Christians there's really not much difference between how Christians practice sexuality and non 
Christians. And that, that, that doesn't even say anything about things that are hard to measure like forgiveness. Now we forgive one another. And if you've ever been in a situation where someone has betrayed you, that you loved, and how broken and how difficult it is to forgive them. Or how we even measure confession, not to God, but to one another. You know, that we practice the humility that Jesus calls us to. When we're wrong, we admit it to the other's face. I've told my kids regular times, you know, that I don't like this, but those are the three hardest words that I ever say. I'm wrong. But the, the good news here, friends, is that this isn't about me or about you. It's not about us. This is about Jesus. Because where, where we might have been with the crowd saying, yes, Moses, we'll do what you say, and then 40 days later be surrounded by a golden calf and laying down to him. We might have been with the crowd saying, Hosanna in the highest, and then five days later yelling out, crucify him, or at least being in a corner sort of being quiet about it. Jesus is not swayed by the crowd. He lives the perfect freedom of humanity doing exactly what the Father has called him to do. For the crowd is around Jesus saying, you're the king of kings. We want you to be the king right now. Take your rightful place. Overthrow the Roman government. Get rid of these religious leaders that don't know how to connect us with God. You take the throne. And Jesus says to them, yes, I'm the king. But I'm not the king like that. I will be the king that the Father has called me to be. And so he goes to the cross in perfect freedom. And then as he, he faces the betrayal of those that love him, as he faces the, the pain of, of 39 lashes, as he faces the indignity of being before others with nothing but a loincloth on and Nails in his hands and in his feet. As he faces all of that, he is free to do exactly what the Father is calling him to be. Have you ever thought about that? This is sort of my aha this week. That Jesus is on the cross. He can't move hardly anything. Because he's nailed to the wood, and yet in that position, he is exemplifying human freedom, doing exactly what the Father has called him to do. That, brothers and sisters, is the good news. This is not about us. It is about God's faithfulness. It is about Jesus' Faithfulness. It is indeed what we've been singing. How great are you, God? How great are you? You would send your only Son. And that He, God in the flesh, would willingly, by His choice, hang on the cross freely, for our salvation.
to, to shed the blood of the new covenant that connects us with God, that forgives us, that cleanses us, that makes us His. Indeed, how great and how faithful and how wondrous is Jesus. He is our freedom train. He's the one that secures our ultimate freedom through the blood of the new covenant. And He shows us the way of freedom to follow in the Father's plans. Jesus, latch on to Him. Uh, refuse to let go. Even in when your own brokenness and sin and weakness hits you in the face, go back to Him. Latch on. Don't let go of Him because He is our freedom. And He alone. Amen.